This is the Star Coach Show, episode 289. People who are, have neurodivergencies, they're fine. Like they are perfectly normal. Their brains are built differently, but they are normal for them, what's natural for them. And the problem comes when they have to fit in the square holes, you know, as circle pegs. And you get a lot of blistering when you do that. And so that's number one. So there's a lot of feelings of rejection and shame and the shoulds and the why can't I do it like everybody else can do it? Why can't I make this happen? Things like that. So often my clients come to me with an understanding of of their neurodivergence, but also not necessarily having fully worked through that piece of it's okay to do things my way. And one of the things I think is great about coaching for this population, particularly this population, is you know our basic concept that people are creative, resourceful, and whole, because these people have not always been seen that way, and yet they absolutely are. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. Honored to have you here with us. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler. I'm an executive and a mentor coach and bring the Star Coach Show to you so that we can explore different strategies, tools, and resources to help professional coaches bring their impact into the world. And one of the ways that we do that is to just look at the different niches, the different focuses that we can have in coaching. There are so many wonderful things happening through coaching through the different specialties and focuses. And today's show is going to highlight one of those. I was at a conference back in April and had the honor of meeting Dr. Tracy Winter. And she was so funny. And we had such a good time together while we were talking and just getting to know one another. She started talking about the work that she does with gifted individuals, with attention deficit, autistic individuals, what she does in the neurodiversity field as a coach. It just absolutely intrigued me. She started talking about her dissertation, which focuses on the social and emotional needs of highly gifted adults. I was just eating up what she had to say and said, you've got to come on my show and talk about this great work that you're doing. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And my hope is that your mind can open up to all of the different areas that coaching can touch people and and bring out the best in people. So Tracy has used her neurodiversity skills to coach up and down the career ladder from individual contributors to vice presidents. She's worked in numerous different industries, technology, government, academia, healthcare. And what she really stresses is that every client she meets has a unique brain that deserves its own unique approach. So she partners with her clients to use their strengths to really get to the outcomes they desire. Now, another thing that Tracy does, and she's kind of bringing 
the aspects of that into this interview as well is she trains new ADHD coaches and is a mentor coach for students at the International ADHD Coach Training Center. So Tracy is, you know, has her fingers in lots of different things. She's an adjunct professor at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. She does leadership development, training facilitation. She is a relatively new PhD. She talks about that in her interview in human development. And she just is absolutely passionate about what she does. You're going to see that. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear about how she honors coaching and the unique clients that she is one of, and she uh, very much is passionate about working with. In addition to that, just FYI, Tracy can jump rope tap dance. That is a unique skill that we don't have her do in in the interview, but I thought you should know. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go to my interview with Dr. Tracy Winter. Dr. Tracy Winter, thank you for joining me on the Star Coach Show. How are you today? I'm doing wonderfully because I get to be on the Star Coach Show today. So I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. When Tracy and I met and we started talking about what she did, I just like was like, oh my gosh, you're coming on my show. I don't think you even realized I had a show at the moment. I mean, it was just like, so since then, I know you've been binging the show, which I appreciate. It's so good. I'm so glad that I found out about it, whatever way I did. So thank you (laughs) for all of the other ones. So what you do is important and unique, and yet at the same time, you know, should just be understood as it's part of world, as part of the flow. So I'm not trying to say that being the nerd diversity coach is something that's strange and unusual. I think it's important and yet is a topic that I don't think we hear enough about. So with the Star Coach Show being all about the impact coaching can have and what we're bringing forward, you working with neurodivergent people and what helping them bring their gifts forward is just so key. So that's, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to be talking about on our road there, Tracy. Let's just start with what is it that led you to do this kind of work and what lights you up about it? So as with most things and most people, I think it's sort of a conflagration of things from all kinds of different vectors. So I actually came to neurodiversity and neurodivergence through gifted. I'm really interested in gifted adults and their social emotional needs. That comes from my family. My mom was a gifted and talented coordinator. My sister and dad and I are all former gifted kids, which makes us technically gifted adults, but we don't talk about that. And then my whole family's got ADHD and I manage an ADHD specialized psychiatry practice and I train ADHD coaches now. So I've got that sort of piece. And once I had all of that, it was like, well, this is like, you know, autistic folks, dyslexic folks, praxic folks, like, you know, all of them, they have similar needs, even though each one of them is an individual. So it kind of came to that. And it all a little bit relates to my dissertation about the reflections that we get from people and how that forms our self-concept. So I kind of wandered in is is the answer. That's how I got here. So glad you are. So glad you are. (laughs) You mentioned your dissertation, which is so interesting to me. So let's, yeah, we're going to nerd out a little bit people for a minute, (laughs) but hang with us because it's so interesting. Tell me a little bit about your topic for your dissertation and what you learned through that. Yeah. 
excellent. Get a relatively recent PhD talking about her dissertation. The show will be over. Um, So my dissertation was called Being Seen, Self-Concept Development in Highly Gifted Adults. And what it was talking about is that feeling when you get a reflection from someone of yourself that matches your own understanding of yourself and what that feels like. And I actually set out to write a positive dissertation and really talk about, so what is that experience? What's the context? All of that. Unfortunately, I found all of the negative experiences were what people talked about most. So we got to explore all of those different things. But, you know, people say, be yourself, be authentic, you know, and, and it's, I'm not saying it's bad advice, but I'm saying that it's not always safe for everybody to be their full authentic selves out there in the wild. And that's some of what this research kind of explored was, what is it like when you have to show flashes of yourself or you have to mask or whatever you need to do to make other people feel comfortable around you? Um, It's not really to fit because it's not a sense of belonging, but it's just making other people feel comfortable enough that they don't look at you like you have three heads. And what a burden in a way, or what a sad thing. And yet, you know, that's the, the reality for, for people who aren't, you know, sort of mainstream, um, who, who might have different talents or, or different ways that they engage with the world, is the world going to embrace them? Is the world going to be open to that? And I would think that that comes out in the coaching that you do as well. So let's shift a little bit into the concept of coaching people who think differently than maybe the mainstream or engage in their own unique way and how working with a coach might be beneficial for that. So the, often the first thing that comes out is the, are the challenges that people have had interacting with the world because people who are, have neurodivergencies, they're fine. You know, like they are perfectly normal. Their brains are built differently but they are normal for them, what's natural for them. And the problem comes when they have to fit in the square holes, you know, as circle pegs. And you get a lot of blistering when you do that. And so that's number one. So there's a lot of feelings of rejection and shame and the shoulds and the why can't I do it like everybody else can do it? Why can't I make this happen? Things like that. So often my clients come to me with an understanding of of their neurodivergence but also not necessarily having fully worked through that piece of it's okay to do things my way. And one of the things I think is great about coaching for this population, particularly this population, is our our basic concept that people are creative, resourceful, and whole, because these people have not always been seen that way, and yet they absolutely are. And I say these people, it's really we, because I'm an ADHDer. So, you know, it's that. And then it's that's just like helping them find the way to their own path, which is coaching, right? right? Our coaching is each person is a unique person. And so each person has a unique path. So I get asked the question less frequently, I think, than other times. Well, what have other people done? Or what are some strategies to do this? You know, the thing that coaches don't necessarily give you most of the time, because the idea is, you know, if you could find it already, if, if I know it, right. you probably found it on Google and you could right. have found it and you wouldn't be talking to me. Right. So, you know, approaching that, I think even more than the average of you are a unique person and your solutions are going to be unique and your path is going to be unique. And let's figure that out together. And making it okay. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, That's half my battle. Right. Because, you know, being a mom of an attention deficit son and knowing the, 
the gifts that he brings to the world, the creative way he thinks about things. And yet, you know, I was contacted by his second grade teacher, like he just wanders the room. I mean, I look up and he's wondering. So he was never a hyperactive child. He was a dream, dreamy attention Mm -hmm. deficit child. And that's not understood by some people. It's just, you know, and, and being different, being different in any way is, is really such a gift, but it's not looked at as a gift in society, right? So you're working with uh, a range of people who have been labeled different for whatever reason. And as you mentioned, might be in that place of shooting on themselves or feeling like they've been shoot on by other people and getting them to embrace their uniqueness. I wonder if that's, you know, kind of part of the journey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because not only does society not really appreciate difference, unless you're incredibly eminent, unless you've achieved at, a, at an amazing level, then we're okay with you. But in the everyday, you know, the second grader wandering around the classroom, that's disruptive and not so much. So, you know, there are so, so many great things that come along with this different brain build. And yet it doesn't feel good to be different in the world. It's, it's lonely and it's, you know, shame producing and just all these things that hold those amazing brains back. And don't let them perform the way they could. And that's really what I think is the crux of this. So you mentioned that you train other coaches to, now you said I train ADHD coaches. So my question about that is, do you train coaches who are attention deficit themselves? Or do you you train coaches who work with attention deficit population or both? (laughs) So that Venn diagram almost entirely overlaps. Okay. So most of my students, either have ADHD themselves or they have a family member like a child who has ADHD. And that's why they're interested. And that's why they're, they're coming. And they are like, we need help. We need other people need help. I want to be that person. So, but they are training to be coaches who are ADHD aware. So it's not a specific, like, you know, it's a niche, right? Right. But they have a special awareness of ADHD and use that lens for their coaching. Which is exactly where I wanted to get to. So good. Thank you for taking us there. So So when you work with coaches to be ADHD aware and sort of look through that lens, what are some of the things I get that our audience isn't all of a sudden going to become ADHD specialized by listening to this, but I would like to increase their awareness about what are some of the things when you are ADHD attentive or aware or kind of creating that space for somebody who's coming in with a unique perspective, what do you help your coaches be aware of? So this, what I'm about to say kind of goes for ADHD, autism, giftedness. And that is that these folks have a more sensitive nervous system, right? So that means that they're often their, their threshold for stimulus is lower. So they get affected bigger and more easily in a lot of ways, right? Oh, you just Um, gave me goosebumps. You'd like literally just describe my son. Yes. Yeah. So, so what we call emotional dysregulation is really challenging because when you're feeling that big, that deep, you know, not letting it out in ways that, you know, disturb other people can be a challenge. So that's one thing. The other way that shows up is something called rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is aligned with ADHDers but I think can apply to other populations too. And that's just what it says. Like they're extra sensitive to rejection to any kind of negative comment, which is not to say, you know, don't make negative comments to these folks, but being aware that, that they're going to have a more, just a bigger reaction 
Right. They're going to be more intense or more. Yes. uh, Well, so I guess to be cautious about the way that we engage just to be sensitive to that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I get asked a lot of time, well, how is this, how are these things different than the way we should treat most people? And I'm like, please treat everybody, treat everybody this way too. Yes. Please accommodate whatever it is that they need or be aware that rejection feels crummy or be aware that sometimes you're going to trigger an emotion that's going to feel deeper for, you know, the bloke on the street with the neurotypical brain. Please. I right. actually love that. So it's like, Yes, I'm teach I'm training people to look through this lens of sensitivity and awareness and please feel free to use that same lens with the entire population. Um yeah, being aware that when and it's almost like the nerve endings are right at the end of the, of the skin sometimes. To this day, my son cannot wear tags in his oh, shirts. Yeah. He, I actually had him in some sensitivity training as a, as a, like a elementary school son to our son and elementary school child to help him gain some, some addition resilience or whatever, because it was so difficult for him. Yeah. Tactically, tactically is really difficult for him. The sensory integration things are, you know. And the problem sometimes is that we sort of chunk these things out separately and they're all interswirled together. Um, so like I've seen a lot of reports about autistic folks who can hear the lights. If they're under fluorescent lights, that that buzzing makes them, you know. Well, it's so disconcerting. Think about times that you can hear it and then right. multiply that by a bazillion. And it's every day, right? right? So like how many of the things that we run into every day? Work from home has been a big deal for neurodivergent folks because we are able to set our environment, like the temperature of the place that we work. It's it's like the smallest thing, and yet it's the hugest thing. Right. Um, having the light the way that we want it, having our setup just the way we want it, like these are things that actually make a difference in our ability to be productive humans in the world. It's not just convenience. It's not just well that would be nice. It's like this can be incapacitating some of these things, depending on who you are. I love the way that you're just raising awareness about something. I don't think that we mean to be unaware or no. insensitive, but it just flies under the radar. And yet when we have an expert like you come on and say, look, this is what our fellow human beings are dealing with. Let's, yeah. let's tune into this a little bit more than um, how can we all potentially help raise awareness and, and raise uh, sensitivity to the issue. What other kinds of, um, kinds of engagement do you have with your clients around the things that they are able to gain from coaching? My clients are the most fun because like, you know, I know some coaches have sort of a way they go into coaching and like, these are the steps and that sort of thing. And I can't, I just can't because even in the categories of the neurodivergencies, like you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, you've met one ADHD or you've met one ADHD or right. So I have so much fun because their brains come up with these ideas that I would never have thought of that even another person in that category might not have thought of, but they're making connections in these, you know, novel ways that, are just right for them. And so helping them move toward those and helping their brains really allow that out, right? To say, this is a safe space 
to put out what other people call your crazy ideas. And you got a zillion of them. So I want to hear them. Yeah. Right. Bring it on. Love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And then helping them figure out, well, how do I bring this into the world? Where do I feel safe to bring it into the world? What do I need to feel safe to do it in the world? What support do I need? Can I like, do I feel safe enough working through those kind of pieces um, then help them translate this newfound like openness be like, okay, so where is it? Where are we, where can we put this out there in a way that doesn't create more blisters? And that whole concept of blisters, I just want, it is such a great analogy for what happened. I mean, you were talking about like uh, in our pre-interview that if something rubs against you consistently, just rubs, 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 you're going to get a blister. And that's really what life is like sometimes yes. when we're, we're always rubbing against the grade or feel like life sort of rubs against us. Well, and, and think about how well you walk when you've got a blister on your heel. Like, how's that go for you, right? You want to stop walking as soon as possible. You're not going to walk well. These folks, we are not going to perform well, do well, be well, if we're constantly having these blisters, like, you know, pop and reform and reform and like covered in blisters. Mm -hmm. How are we possibly going to bring these amazing ideas that would make the world better into fruition, actually make them happen? Like, they're not even aware of half of them because they're too caught up in the blisters. Right. And I just think that's a travesty. And it's a tragedy because yeah. we had talked about, you know, what are we missing out on by not giving a safe place to, to harvest these ideas, to welcome them, to share in the energy and the fun of what would it look like if it was safe enough to just share those ideas? Just that, that lights me up. That makes me excited. You talked about getting mental clutter gone. What What's that whole concept? It's kind of the blistery concept at the same time, right? Like since we've been kids, we've, we've heard either you're too dreamy, like your son, um, you're, you know, you're too hyperactive. It's a lot of twos. You're too much, whatever. Yeah. Don't be, don't yes. be what you are, be something different. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the emotions that get embedded early, like you know, when the brain is still forming in, in these folks, it's, it's, it's mental clutter, right? So they're preoccupied with dealing with the shame of, you know, not being able to do it the way everybody else does it. The shame of not being able to get the thing done when it needs to be done. The shame of whatever. And that's just getting in the way of these beautiful ideas and these, you know, beautiful ways of looking at the world. So it feels to me like, Sometimes I describe it as mental clutter. Sometimes it feels like, like you're being dragged down, you know, like, like a, like a pound weight or something that's just constantly, and they just keep adding more weights. Like, how am I supposed to function at my best and and contribute to my best when I'm dragging all of this nonsense with me? So my feeling is let's help clear that out. And then we get access to potential. So the other thing that comes from that is, you know, how can leaders help people who work for them, these neurodivergent um, people on your teams and in your organizations, really get what they need so that your organization can benefit from their creativity, their brilliance, so that they can benefit from bringing that forward. Because don't we all want to be able to add and contribute and, and 
be appreciated for that. So one of the things we talked about is, is ideally for you, you would like to also help organizations meet special people where they are not special, like special, gifted, whatever brilliance we're bringing forward. How can we really meet them where they need to be met? So any ideas on, for leaders or organizations around that? Oh, I have so many answers to this question. Um, I bet you do. The, the first thing is, this is a, like all of these things are very hidden most of the time. So you might notice characteristics, but it's, I believe it's illegal under the ADA to ask, hey, you know, are you an ADHD or are you autistic, whatever. Um, so, so you don't always know when your folks, you know, have these neurodivergencies. Um, but you can kind of look out for things like the sensory piece, like not being able to manage emotions, like those things that are sort of leadership qualities, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting leaders because they're not able to do these things because they're not really built to do it easily. So how can you use those strengths? I mean, again, this is like for everybody, use the strengths. They've got amazing strengths. Support that and make it the culture of your team that you know we don't focus on the, the weirdness, as people say, of this person, right? Like, Oftentimes we're the weirdos, really. And we kind of reclaim that term, at least I do. Don't focus on the weirdness, but like, listen to what's actually being said. Listen to what's actually being presented. And if the person's not translating it well enough for a neurotypical brain, like work on that, you know, but whatever you need to do to unlock that stuff, um, you know, that's, that's number one. There's also pieces like the interview process is not set up for neurodivergent folks. No. You have to perform under pressure on camera most of the time nowadays. You need to look a certain way. You need to not stim, which is what we do when we're overactive. We'll be like pushing a ball or I crochet a lot in meetings, not my coaching meetings, but bigger meetings. I crochet and I can pay better attention that way. That's not accepted in interviews. Like all of the, many of the natural ways that we are, are not, are not okay for interviews. So this person could do a crackerjack job in this role. But not and yet they don't necessarily present in the interview. Right. No. They don't get the entree because they don't present like everybody else because they're right. not like everybody else. Right. Right. So like there's the accessibility in the interview process. There's the accessibility, you know, to different roles that are like some, some companies are now making particular roles sourced for neurodivergent folks. Right. A lot of autistic folks are good with coding, looking at, co- I mean, like the NSA and the CIA have, have used these skills for years because they can look and see these patterns that you know, that other people might not see that kind of thing. So some companies are, are actively starting to do that as part of their sourcing, which is great. So that's, I mean, that's my initial hodgepodge of like, right. here's what you can do in different levels. There's more, but, but that's a start. Just be mindful and be watchful and be noticeful of what do people need, regardless of what category they feel and what do your people need and ask them what a crazy idea, right? What do you ask need? them? Absolutely. And I love building a culture where we're focused on strengths rather than what might feel weird or different or mm-hmm. like like you're not fitting into the square hole that we want you to fit into. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that square hole is not, not a good fit. It's a blistering hole. So I know I just want everybody to think about how would it feel? And maybe many of you are listening who say, I know exactly how that feels <laughs> to not be able to be your authentic self. And you were told, just be authentic, just be natural. And what Tracy is saying is that the people I work with, that comes up to bite them in the butt. 
And yet how constraining is that? Well, and how much energy are we spending trying to be what other people need us to be? Where could that energy be better spent? I'm a thinker. So there's, there's all the humanity parts of this. It's like, you know, people shouldn't be made to feel bad. All of that. That's all, all true. I focus on like, this is, this doesn't make any sense to do this. Right. So yeah. So, you know, the energy that we spend on masking and on fitting is exhausting. It's just exhausting. And I could spend that energy such more productive places. So could everybody else. It makes that world better. So uh, literally, this is such an incredibly important topic. It's a topic that obviously is close to home for me. And I I also would just encourage you to um, share a little bit about um, if somebody's listening is like, oh, I want to learn more about how to be an attention, attention deficit coach or a gifted coach or whatever, a neurodivergent nerd coach like Tracy is. <laughs> what, how could they know, learn more about you? So there's a couple ways. I have a website, of course, like everyone else in the universe at this point, which is www.nerdcoach. The dot goes between the A and the C. So N-E-R-D-C-O-A dot C-H nerdcoach.com was already taken. So I modified. That's actually- Because she's creative. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's that's my brother-in-law's you know, amazing brain be getting, getting some crazy ideas out. Um, so that's one. Um, my email is tracy at nerdcoach. So there. Um, I write on LinkedIn. I have kind of a series I have going most weeks. I'm trying to be better about it. That's if I'm so smart, why can't I? And that's usually some sort of neurodivergent thing that is you know, as a barrier for me that seems to resonate with a bunch of other people too. But yeah, just, you know, contact me. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about this stuff, help you find more resources, depending on which direction is sort of your wheelhouse or you want to be your wheelhouse. It takes some doing to understand a brain that is outside of what is your norm. So that's probably why most people who are ADHD coaches are also ADHD. But, you know, but, but learning about these things is never a bad idea. Just learning about the scope of humanity, like that's always a productive and wonderful thing to do. Oh, I couldn't have asked for a better ending to the interview. I mean, what a beautiful way to wrap that up. Tracy, I feel so blessed that we met and that I got to know about the work that you do and that we now are able to continue our relationship as as we move forward. Thank you for bringing your expertise on this very important subject to the show. Well, thank you for having me and for being sort of a megaphone platform for this. And I'm delighted. Just, you know, talking to you is the easiest thing in the world. So the more I get to do of that, the better. Oh, thank you. And megaphone. Did you guys hear that? Like mega. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> you have a great day. I just find people and the way that our brains work and the different skills and strengths that we bring forward to be so interesting. And I want to thank Dr. Tracy Winter for bringing her special expertise to the show and hopefully allowing us to look through a different lens at all the different areas that we can bring coaching. If you'd like to know more about Tracy, go to starcoachshow.com slash 289, starcoachshow.com slash 289, and you can pick up the links to connect with Tracy. Next week, 
I'm going to be visiting with you again solo. It's been a few weeks since I've done that. So tune in. I'm looking forward to spending some one-on-one time with you next week. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen so more coaches can find the show. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.